Um, last week we had my friend Martin um, speaking on leadership, and a couple weeks ago, um, a couple of us got to spend four or five days with Martin and Karen in Stuttgart in Germany where they live. And to really see a global leader, because we're talking about leadership, lead within, I think it's the 10th largest company in the world, and the influence that he has and the integrity that he has and the humility that his life, him and Karen, uh, the humility before God that they live, it was profound for us to be able to spend the time and actually stay in their house and see them behind the scenes. And so I, I want to go um, forward with what Martin talked about and what Jose's been teaching on. And I want to talk about this today. Um, and I think God gave me that, this, these words this week. And that is that leaders, and you're all leaders, love. We lead with loving. Because God our Father loved us so much, He sent the Son. And it is our job to continue to live out that mission. So today I'm going to talk about leadership and love. And I'm going to talk about three words around that as I look back over coming on 60 years. And since John is sitting here, I don't know if anybody else is here, I will say this. So I think I'm correct in this. This is really interesting for me. I'm the eldest elder in this church. Yesterday, I married this beautiful believer over here 37, 38 years ago. We've been together 41 years. And we, we planted a church with Pat and Jackie, and I don't know if Ryan and Cheryl are here, but, but in that, I have experienced that love is what makes a difference. And we live in a world right now, and you see it on the news and social media, that is full of hate. And we sit here... And we know the love of God. And today my challenge is going to be to you, are we living it out? Are we actually going from here every week and loving people like Jesus loved you? Like his example. So we'll talk about choices. We'll talk about commitment. We'll talk about courage. Love requires a lot of courage. It requires a commitment, not just today, but for a lifetime. And it requires a choice. We have to choose to love. And I believe that in this hour of darkness in our world, it is the greatest opportunity for the followers of Jesus Christ to love. If I get emotional, I'm a little bit, I spend a lot of time with Jose doing this around the world. I apologize. <laughs> We've spent the better part of a couple of years doing this in Africa and other places. So I, I, I want to set the stage there. And then I want to, before I get into all of that, I want to say this to you so you know who I am. I know some of you, there are so many new people I don't 
know a lot of you. I look forward to doing that and to knowing you. But I want to tell you that I know nothing. Now, that's alarming. They've asked me to teach. <laughs> Scary. I don't know anything. I'm not educated. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a learned person. I come from a very humble background. I barely got out of high school. Um, but today, I will say this. As I approach 51 years of walking with Jesus Christ, I know him, I know his faithfulness, and I know that you can put your life in his hands. That is all I know to be true. The rest of whatever we're concerned about today or caught up with or distracted by will all pass away. But your relationship with Jesus Christ is for eternity. So later, because I am trained in this way, I will say, by Jose, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a choice if you haven't chosen him as your Lord and Savior. There would be no purpose to do all that we do and all that you do to serve and to give and to be here if we don't do that. It is one of the things I dearly love about Jose. He never misses an opportunity to share the good news for one person may come to know Jesus Christ. And right now, here today, he, he texted me a little while ago. I think he's in Edinburgh, Scotland, teaching at a church there. He was just in Belfast, Ireland, teaching at a church there. And tomorrow, he'll be going to our second home, Uganda. And meeting with John, John Paul and some other people. So I say that to tell you that um, whatever you hear today, hear this, that it is all about Jesus Christ. Don't be distracted by me moving around. Don't be distracted by my emotion. Don't be distracted by your neighbor. My prayer and my message today is that you would have the courage and then have the commitment and then make choices in your life that would be about loving God and loving people. Because simply, as stated in God's word, that is the life of a believer. To love God first with all your heart, mind, and soul, and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's what the world is missing. They've tried everything else. It's interesting. And they're empty. Because only Jesus can fill that hole. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago that really awakened me to the truth of this in a greater way as I approach 60. I have a really good friend that I have helped on and off in his business. And he called me and he said, uh, I have somebody that you, I want you to meet. And I said, okay, what, what's, what's going on? And he said, no, I, I just want you to go meet, meet this guy. And I said, well... I'm really busy. Like, I don't know that I have time to do that, you know. And he goes, no, let me tell you what's going on. He said, uh, this young man is in his 30s, 
married, has three kids, and um, is scared to death that he's going to die any minute. He checks his blood pressure 54 times a day. He has one of these uh, medical monitors on when I met him. It's like he can't stop looking at it. And the interesting thing about it is, and I'm trying to be as vague as possible, is that he was just given the keys to a company that's well worth over half a billion dollars, and he's the sole owner. And he can't sleep at night. And he has anxiety, and he has stress, and he's been to 25 doctors to try to figure out if he's going to die or not. He's 36. At 36, I didn't have time to think about that. Right, Pat? I mean, we were trying to raise kids. We were trying to work. We are trying to... I mean, who thinks about that? And so my friend said, will you come and meet with him? And I go, okay. I'm not sure. God, what, what are we doing here? What's going to happen? But I've learned this from Jose. I've learned this in my life, to say yes to God first. Just like this morning, I said yes to this before I realized that all of you were going to be here. <laughs> That's a lot of people. And uh, so... My friend Mark uh, meets me. We go to this office, and I've been into some really nice executive suites. Uh, I mean, I've God has given me favor with people with a lot of influence. And I walk into this place, and I'm like, "Wow, it's the biggest table I've ever seen in an office. It's like from here to the back of that section." <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sitting over there because I'm not sure if he can even see me. And so we sit in there and we wait, which if you know people of influence or if you've ever been in these situations, it is part of the game, the waiting, right? Some of you have been there. So we wait and I'm sitting with Mark and we're waiting and I'm like, okay, God, what is this going to happen? Is it not? Finally, the young man comes in, dressed to the nines, looks like Unbelievable, young guy, healthy, beautiful suit, and he sits down, Mark introduced me, hi, 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 and he sits down, and before I can say anything, he said, let me tell you about all the fear, doubt, and uncertainty I have in my life. I've never met him before, I'd never heard of him before, and I'm like, okay, this will be interesting, and he starts crying, and then he proceeds to tell about how afraid he is about what would happen after he dies. What's going to happen after I die? And he goes on for 20 minutes explaining all the anxiety, all the stress, all the pressure. And then he ends it by saying this to me. Now, I'd only met him 20 minutes before he said to me, so I can buy, do, be, cover up anything I want. And I have no peace. Are we pursuing things that are going to bring us peace or are we pursuing things of the world? So I sat there and I said, okay, God, wow, this is, you set this up. And here I sit. And Mark's looking at me like I'm supposed to know the answer. Like, okay. This guy's not used to anybody telling him what to do or what to think or how to act. 
And so I, I say to him, I said, uh, I said, there's only one way to peace. And that's through God. And that's through his son, Jesus Christ. And I said, you've tried everything else. He's tried stuff I'd never even heard of. I didn't even know what it was. And I said, if you want peace, that's the only place. And he says to me, he starts to cry again, and he says to me, this is two hours into it, he said, my grandmother, who I used to go and stay with, used to pray over me and read scripture to me and, and put her hands on me and said, God has a mighty plan for your life. And she passed away some years ago. And he said, is this what you're talking about? So... What are we seeking? What are the choices? What are the commitment? What's, what's the stand of faith that we're making? And most of you in this room, if I understand right, have the peace of Jesus Christ. So when you turn on the news or you look at social media, remember who is in you. Remember the work that he has done for you. But this is the hope that we all have. Pray for him. We continue the conversation. He's reading the book of John right now. So it's interesting. Um, I do have notes. Um, God gave me this scripture. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And it's about... Um, Brothers and sisters, when I came to you, so he's talking about who he was in this. And I do not come to you today with wisdom or eloquence, but I come to you today to proclaim the testimony of God. And I'll say this again, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. For in that is the good news for everybody on the planet today. And then it goes on to say, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power today. All of this comes from God. And then in 1 Corinthians 13... And a lot of you have memorized this. It's the verses on love. And I'll skip forward to this. Verse 13 says this. And now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. To be a leader, we have to put love on that God gives us. This takes courage. This takes commitment. And this takes choosing God's way every time. Um, we don't talk much anymore in the faith about courage. 
And courage is learning to do what God has called you to do despite the fear. If you're wondering what that looks like, I'm standing right here. Now, a lot of you don't understand what I'm saying, so I'll, I'll give you clarity. Until two years ago, I was severely dyslectic. So reading and writing, the reading I just did for you would have been 10,000 attempts two years ago. Courage is doing what God has called you to do despite the fear. Courage is this. Courage is saying, why, God, is there such resistance to me standing right here and talking about you today for the last two weeks? Why has everything come against me? That's been my story the last two weeks. I don't know about you, but the world's at war for the souls of men and women and children. And if I stood here and I didn't say that to you, I'd be lying to you. You've entered a great battle in case you didn't know. And it's going to take great courage to fight and win. I'll tell a story of, of courage. About 10 years ago, Jose was speaking at the west side at Salt Rock. I was sitting where John's sitting. And he said, I'm going to take a team to Uganda. And if you're interested or you feel like God is calling you, that you should go. And foolishly, I said, okay, maybe I'd be interested. I go to the meeting. It sounds really awesome. I'm an adventurer. I love stuff like that. I'm like, okay, Africa. Wow, I've not been there. Let's go. I sign up, and I go to the trainings with Jose. Now, Jose's not here to defend himself, so when he gets back, check him on this. And we would have these training meetings, and there was no training. <laughs> now, some of you work with Jose, so maybe this is not a surprise to you. <laughs> Pat, Pat was there. I think you were there, weren't you, Pat? Yeah, Pat was on that team and some other people. But, but there was no training, so we kept leaving these meetings and going, okay, what are we going to do? Like, what is the plan? What's the strategy? You know, what kind of nothing. So we have another meeting, and we're like, okay, now we're going to get it. And he said, next time, we're going to cover what we're going to do, or we're going to do all this, nothing. Yes, yeah, some of you, Karen, yes. Yeah, so it's stressful, really stressful. Never, never been to Africa. So we hear all these horrible things. We have to get 58 shots because everything in Africa is trying to kill you, which is comforting. And you're like, oh, man, that's rough. And uh, it comes to the day of the trip, and we're out at PDX, and we're all standing in a circle, and we're praying. I really was praying. I was like, what have I got myself into? Like, I have no idea. I didn't sleep for like three days before. I'm like, I'm going to die and leave my family and my kids. I don't know. And so we get on the plane and we go over there. And uh, we get, we're up for like 36 hours straight, unless you sleep on a plane. So we're, we're up forever. We get there, we get on a bus, and it beats us to death because there's no roads. We're just beat to death. And then Jose has arranged for us to go to an orphanage where the gentleman that runs the orphanage actually has no legs and runs the whole orphanage, a couple hundred kids, out of a wheelchair on the most uneven... There's no level ground in Uganda, so it just... It was crazy. Pat can tell you, it was, it was crazy. We see stuff that, like, Americans don't see. 
like the harshness of life and death and poverty. And, and at the end, they bring us into a room and they said, these kids don't have a sponsor. Well, by that point, I'm wrecked. I'm like, I'm ready to go home. I'm like, this is too much. I mean, you remember this, Tim? They bring us into a room. All these kids are... And you're like, oh, wow. Okay, I'll save them all. I mean, I, I, I'll do whatever. Just tell me where to sign. Just send me home. I'm like, I'm a day into it. I'm like, this is terrible. Uh, and uh, so that was just the warm-up um, because I think in the next 10 days, we spoke... And when I mean we, Tim, Pat, myself, Joe, Henry, the guys that were there, we spoke at every school, every college, every prison, every hospital. We even went to the state mental institution, which was, whoa, crazy. And then a festival at night. I'm probably leaving some out, but there was days where we literally would do 11 or 12 events. Now, this is not somebody that's trained like Lonnie to do worship or, you know, Jose to teach. This is us. Well, I have no background. I'm a business person. I have no background. Now you're teaching. Now you're going to do this skit and you're going to teach the Bible. Now you're going to go to this church and you're going to teach. And they expect you to do a sermon for two and a half hours. And if you don't, they're like, well, where's the rest of it? Because I go to church almost all day. And the worship is half of that. So it took great courage. And so we started doing this and doing this. And I thought, okay, we started getting into it, right? And we're doing it. And Tim's actually speaking. He's Jesus in our skit. And he's, he's now sharing his testimony. Like, we've got this. We're like, we're, you know, people are responding. And uh, so one of the last days we were there, the gal that was our coordinator said, uh, oh, super exciting news. Um, our neighbors, um, the guys, the imam, I think you call it, for the, for the Muslim mosque and the school, and he's, he's okayed us to come and share Jesus Christ with the students and the teachers. And we're all sitting there, I don't, do you, I don't know if you guys remember this, we're all sitting there going, I don't want to die. <laughs> like, I really don't want to die. I'm still relatively young. That was 10 years ago now, you know, whatever. I don't want to die. And uh, she, she, her, I think her name was Winnie. I, I don't know. If, I can't remember. I think it was Winnie. And she goes, oh, she was super excited. So we pull up there and we're outside the gate. It's this huge compound, Muslim, full on, you know, uh, Muslim school. And uh, we're waiting and waiting for them to open the gate because you can't even get in there if you're not, you know, part of the school or whatever. And we're praying. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I love my wife, my kids. I, it's going to be Okay. Finally, they open the gate, and the head of the school is running out the door. I don't know if you guys remember. Running out the door, and I'm like, okay, that's maybe not a good sign. And we're coming in. And we're like, okay, this is going to be interesting to see what happens. So we just do the only thing we know how to do, which is to share the gospel and to invite people to Jesus Christ. And we did a little skit, and... And we're just on the ground doing this, no, no sounds, nothing. And we're watching each other do this, and we're thinking, okay, any minute now, we're going to all be in deep trouble. Something's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you what happened. God showed up. Because we had courage to love these people no matter who they were, to show up because God opened the door. And teachers, not only students, but teachers, and we have pictures of teachers, 
actually came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, working in a Muslim school with the Koran all over everywhere. It was, it was crazy. And on that day, God taught me this, that if he calls me to do something, if he calls you to do something, and it's of him, if you show up, he will show up and he'll make a way. So here's my question to you. What is it that God has put on your heart, the Holy Spirit has spoke to you that you're supposed to do that you haven't done because you're afraid? It got quiet. And I'm not saying walking to a Muslim school has to be your thing, but there's something. Make a note of that right now. What is that? I don't care whether you've been a believer one day or like me, 50 years. What is that? Because we're going to pray for you today. And I'm going to ask you to make a stand and take some action and see what God will do. Having courage in him. The next thing that I want to talk about is the word commitment. The word commitment is not used anymore. And there's a good reason for that. My mother teaches on this to us kids and anybody that will listen. She's 85 and she's on fire for Jesus Christ every day. So we don't have an excuse. I'm young compared to her. So she, she, she continues to keep me in line. Commitment is to do what you said you were going to do, what you committed your life to doing, whether it's hard, difficult, impossible, terrible, you hate it, you do it anyway. Okay, that doesn't sell in this day and age. We got serious problems, don't we, Pat? There's, there's no such a thing. We don't, our culture doesn't talk about commitment. What makes you feel good and makes you happy, I could talk about that and I would get a lot more excitement. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about commitment. And the reason we're talking about commitment is because Jesus Christ knowingly, knowingly, as fully man and fully God, committed himself to pay the price for our sins and went to the most brutal death. This is our example. It's not the world. That's where the example is. Where, how are you doing on your commitment to Jesus Christ? Because Jesus replied in Matthew and said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's a commitment. That's all of my being. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is to love your neighbors yourself. Are we honoring the commitment that we made to Jesus the day he saved us? To make him the Lord of our life. Are we living that out? Or have we drifted away? All of us here know people that have drifted away from the faith. Be the example today. Recommit your life to Jesus Christ here today. Don't grow weary, I think is how the scripture goes, of doing good. I would add to that, don't get distracted by the world for doing what God has called you to do and commit your life to, here and now. It's not too late to do that today. I'll tell a story on my mom. So 
she talks about young people, which is interesting. And she says, uh, these people are getting married. All these people, young people are getting married. We have generation, my daughter's here with her husband, all these, you know, we're old now, so we have kids who are getting married and having kids. And she's, you know, there's this, all this to do about it, these huge weddings, they're beautiful, it's all this money or whatever. And my mom's sitting there in her discernment of walking with God for 75 years, saying, I wonder what their commitment is to God and to each other. Like when it goes bad, like, I, I'm looking back here and I don't want to, Steve's testimony, Steve Marshman, of his commitment to Vicki as she walks through cancer, fighting for her life, is the role model that you all need to see and to know. For this is the commitment of Jesus Christ. Not when it's all going well. Because what did he say in his word? There's going to be trouble, people. Hello? How are we responding to it? Are we going to shift our commitment away from what we said before God we would do and be? I've been incredibly inspired by Steve and his commitment to Vicki to love her through this no matter what. How are you doing on your commitments? How are you doing in your marriage commitment? How are you doing with your kids? How are you doing with your faith? Are you committed every day? Is your most important relationship in your life, your best fruit, your best, best effort in the Word of God, knowing Him, seeking Him, loving Him? Are we worshiping God every day? Or are we distracted by the world? Commitment doesn't sell in this world. Wow. Wow. That's why we love to go to Africa, to Uganda, because they understand only life and death. There's, no, there's not a lot of distractions. I want to eat today. Like, that's their prayer. I want my child to be well today. Commitment. Is this, is this too strong, Doug? Okay, all right. Because Jose's on another continent, so... Jose's heard most of this many times. So I, I, I want to finish with this word choices. We all have choices that we have to make in life. Sooner or later, and hopefully I'm speaking to some of you here, sooner or later you're going to have to choose about Jesus Christ. Quinn, there's nothing else, is there? That is without a shadow of a doubt, the most important decision you'll make in your life. That if, if I did nothing else, and hear me clearly, if I made no other decision that was right and true, and I chose Jesus Christ, my life is a huge success. The rest is going to pass away. Today, you're gone. believe me, it is on our heart. I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose. And by not choosing, you're making a choice. I'm old, but I have learned some things. By not choosing, you make a choice.
So I want to tell you a story about a young boy. I don't know, how am I doing on time? Who's, where am I at, Kevin? Am I good? Okay. I guess I should wear a watch. Probably a good thing. In Africa, you could just keep going. I mean, Jose goes for hours, and they're just like, oh, perfect, you know. Here's 15 minutes. You haven't checked Facebook in 15 minutes. I'm sorry. Probably Steve, Steve, sorry. I know you're on Facebook all the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so I want to tell you a, a story uh, about choices, um, a story that hopefully you relate to, a story that hopefully will resonate with you, not about the person that I'm going to tell the story about, but about your own life. So there was a young man, a young boy that was born into a, a family that uh, loved God, loved each other, um, uh, a, a joyful home full of love. Small community, they're very involved in their church. And the first memories of this, of this kid was just pure love and joy and happiness and just, it was awesome. And, and then as he grew up, there was this thing called school. And school is a uh, requirement in this country. Um, and so he was a very social kid, had lots of friends. So he goes to school with all of his buddies. And wow, we're all together all day. We get to play. We get to play football. We get to do all this stuff. It's awesome. Love it. Fast forward uh, a couple of months and... It's dawning on him that maybe he's not getting school like everybody else in the classroom. Maybe he's, he's not seeing the words or understanding the reading and writing like, like they are. And so in the small town where he lives, they have this thing, which I think they should reinstate. Now that I'm not in school, I'm saying this. They should reinstate where the teacher actually came to the parents' home. And had dinner with the parents. Okay, some of you are teachers out here. I know it's kind of freaky, but, but in a way, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And so, so they would do this in this community. So the teacher came to his house, and they had dinner, and then they give a report. How is, your, how is the boy doing? And the, the report was, you know, he's not really progressing, and uh, he needs to try harder, and he needs to focus, Steve. He's got to focus like an Air Force pilot. You've got to focus and do your job. And so, my, you know, so, so it's pretty tense. So the kid goes back, works harder, focuses more, nothing happens. In fact, it gets worse because now he feels a pressure, and it gets worse and it gets worse. And then at the end of the year, the teacher comes back at the end of the year, and they have dinner again with the family. And the teacher is there and gives a report and then says these words that pierce his soul. I think he needs to do first grade over again. Whoa. So immediately the kid's mind goes to this. How am I going to explain this to my friends, to my buddies, to my peers? Well, for this kid, it was the longest summer of his life. Because he knew first grade was coming for a second time. So he goes back to first grade, and it gets worse, and then the teachers and the students start mocking him. And the teacher puts him in the corner and says, you're worthless, you'll never be anything, stay out of the way, you're disrupting all the other kids from learning. 
He runs away from school. He becomes angry and bitter. He becomes somebody that is looking for a fight. And then it spirals into this thought of, is life worth living at eight years of age? Now, this is a sensitive subject because this is so prevalent in our society today. And he lives in a place where there's lots of guns for hunting. There's lots of ways that somebody could easily take their life and comes real close to that multiple times. Meanwhile, as this is going on, and he's spiraling downhill to the thought of, it's not worth living, I'm going to take my own life, his parents in wisdom, and this is a word for somebody here today, continue to bring him to church. Don't miss this. Don't, don't, don't miss this. And, and at the church, the, the pastor continues to talk about Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and continues to give an invitation every time. So he's at church. This is going on. They're singing the song. This is old school. So they would sing a song and then give the invitation. John knows this. Sing a song. Give the invitation. And this would go on until somebody responded, Steve. So I don't know if this is biblical. You're a theologian, but they would go for a while because they didn't have TV or what another service. They just were there. And so he's, this kid is sitting there, and he feels like there's a war in his soul. He feels like he's being torn in two directions. And, and in that moment, his grandmother is sitting next to him, and she's a four, four foot eleven, Jesus-loving Irish lady. And she leans over to him, and she grabs his hand and says, Scotty, this is your time. This is your day. And I stepped out into that aisle in front of 500 people, mainly adults, knowing that if I did not choose Jesus, that the enemy was going to take me out. And in that moment, my life was transformed. It's hard for words to tell you the relief of knowing that God loved me, that he had a plan for my life. I wasn't a mistake. And that he had my back. And school didn't change for me. It didn't get better. It got worse. But I knew that I knew every night when I put my head on the pillow that God had me in his hands. And I was singing as we were testing the mics with Akeem earlier, and I apologize, but I was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves you. No matter where you're at or where you've been or what you've done, he wants to be the good father for you. And that's now 51 years ago. And this is the last place I ever imagined being, is in front of a bunch of people proclaiming Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
for he is good. All good things come from the Father. My sole prayer today, my sole saying yes to doing something that does make, makes no sense for me to be doing is that you would know his love, that you would experience his love, and that in doing that, you would go out and love people. He is the Savior. He's the only way to the Father. And today, I come to you humbly and say that that's all I know. That's the only decision that's really going to matter for eternity. And Jesus does love you. And it is that simple. And you can understand this because he is there calling you right now. Jesus is calling. I've been playing on my uh, Pandora or whatever, these old hymns that I grew up with. Just the acoustic, not the words. Just, wow, what a savior we have. Are we really worshiping and loving him for what? what he has given to us? Or have we become complacent? Are we dissatisfied just to sit and be a spectator? It is my hope today that in some way that you're inspired to enter the game of life, to love God and to love people for this is where life is. This is where hope is. This is where peace is. This is where joy is. The kingdom of joy is on the other side of your fear. My friend Joe Dennis, he talks about this all the time. When we face our fears and we go with God to where he takes us, we find great joy. Right, Tim? There's joy there. So now, as I have learned from Jose, as we have been around the world doing this, and now the ball's really in your court. It's between you and God. What are you going to do? I was eight years old, and I was sitting there, and I felt like my feet were concrete to, to the floor in that church. I felt like my soul was ripped apart. I was so afraid. If you're afraid, that is a good sign that Jesus is calling you today. We are here. We love you. Hear me. We love you. God loves you. And he has life for you. You can trust him. till this moment since the day I met Jesus was for this time. That you would know the love of Jesus Christ.
If you could stand when we pray, I would appreciate it. If Jesus has spoken to you today, do something. Make a choice. Make a commitment. Take a step of courage towards him. God has something for you being in your life. It was hard to believe. But she was also the one that spoke into my ear and said, this is your time. Wow, that's influence. Is this your time today? Do you need to respond to Jesus Christ? Do you need to take a step of courage? If so, when I'm praying, come. Come to the Father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift you up. Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. There is none above you. You are our King. And we now commit ourselves to worshiping you in a worthy way to bring you glory and praise. I thank you, Lord, that you are the good news. You are the answer to everything the world is seeking. We will now worship you with all of our heart, mind, and soul, as you say in your scripture. Let us lay everything else aside now. 